We are in our last topical series in Romans uh, for this section of Romans. Um, and we're going to be in Romans chapter 12 tonight on a very uh, familiar verse. Uh, verses 1 and 2 of Romans chapter 12. And it reads, Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. And this is where we're going to be tonight, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. And that is the only verse we're going to be focusing on tonight. Do not be conformed to this world, this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Um, I think this is probably one of the most important topics that uh, Christians need to hear, especially today about how we think. And that's what this, we're going to be talking about tonight, um, how we are to think as believers. It says we are not to be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind, how we think. Um, so verse two, again, first of all, we present our bodies as a living sacrifice. And then it says, do not be conformed to this age. That word conformed means to fashion or shape one thing like another. To fashion or shape one thing like another. And it's talking about outward conformity. Okay. It's talking about outward conformity. Um, an outward conformity that doesn't really reflect what's on the inside. So in other words, you shape yourself to conform what's out there, rather that's really what you're like on the inside. Um, it's a style or manner, an old way of life that he's talking about here. And he says, we are not, after we, pre after we present our bodies as living sacrifices, we are not to be conformed or outward fashioned by this age but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So the only other place that this word conformed is used in the New Testament is in 1 Peter chapter 1. And it says, as obedient children, do not be conformed, that word again, to the, des the desires of your former ignorance. He says, as, as believers, Peter says, don't be conformed, outwardly fashioned, to the desires of your former ignorance, how you were before you got saved. He says, but as the one who calls you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. He said, you are to be holy. Instead of being outwardly fashioned after the world, you are to be holy, set apart, sanctified, righteous in all of your conduct. Why? For it is written, be holy because I'm holy. And God said, you are to be like me in all of your thoughts and your behavior. I'm holy, therefore, you are to be holy. Don't be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. And this is a lifelong battle struggle, and we'll talk about that for the rest of our lives. We got, we got to make sure that we are not being conformed to the world's ways. But as the one who called you is holy, that word holy, sancti sanctified, set apart, a word we don't hear in church a lot anymore. Maybe in holiness, quote-unquote, churches. And we, and we have what we call holiness churches, but every church is supposed to be a holiness church because <laughs> we are all supposed to be holy. So we are not to be conformed to this world, to this, uh, to this age. And what does he mean by this age? 
It means an era, an eon. It's a period of time. A period of time that is marked by moral or spiritual characteristics. So we are not to be conformed to this age, this period of time that is marked by its moral and spiritual characteristics. And you know the time we're living in is a very morally and spiritually depraved time. Just turn on the television <laughs> or your social media or go outside. <laughs> it's a period of time marked by moral or spiritual characteristics. Um, there are several things we need to understand about this. Number one is this present world or age, as it says here, is the evil and under the rule of Satan. This age that we're living in, this period of time, is evil and it's under the rule of Satan. Its systems and its values. The sum of contemporary thinking and values forms the moral atmosphere of the world. And listen, it is always dominated by Satan. Always dominated by Satan. So the present world or age is evil and under the rule of Satan. Let's look at a couple of scriptures that talk about that. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. But if our gospel is veiled, Paul says, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God, small, small g, you know that, the God of this age, same word, this period, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. He says, so the reason they can't see, because Satan has blinded the minds of unbelievers. So they cannot see the light of the gospel. That's why people can't see, really see the beauty of the gospel, because Satan is blinded their eyes. And until God removes it, they'll never see it. And we'll look at that in a little bit too. But they'll never see it. That's why they think we're crazy for following this thing, because their minds are blinded by Satan who is the God of this age, this period, this eon, this time that we're living in. Let's look at a couple more. Galatians chapter 1. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age. He says it again. To rescue us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age. We need to be rescued from this time, from this period, y'all. Not to be conformed to it, we need to be rescued from it. To rescue us. First John chapter 5, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. We know that we are of God and the whole world is under the sway of the evil one. Did you hear that? He said the whole world is under the influence of the devil. That's a powerful verse. He says, we know that we are of God. He's talking about the Christians. We are of God, and the whole world outside of God is under the influence of the devil. And they're at his beck and call. They have no power over that. He can get them to do whatever he wants them to do because they're, they're under his influence, because they're not under the banner of Jesus Christ, the covering of God. So we have, need to understand that this whole world system is under the sway of Satan at all times, and, and we see it in the time we're living in right now. We see it. You look at some of the stuff that's going on right now, and you, so th you say, that is demonic. 
That's demonic and the wicked and evil. But that's the whole world is under the sway of the evil one. Second, we need to stand against the popular forms of the spirit of this world. We need to stand against the popular forms of the spirit of this world. Titus chapter 2. For the grace of God has appeared with salvation for all people, all kinds of people, on every continent in the world, instructing us to deny godlessness and worldly lust and to live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in the present age. So even though the whole world, the whole world system age is under the sway of the devil, we as believers... We are instructed to deny godlessness and worldly lust and to live in a sensible, live like you got some sense, (laughs) sensible, righteous, and godly way in the present age. While we wait for the blessed hope and appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. So while we're waiting for Jesus to return to take us and rescue us from this present evil age, how are we to live? Sensible, righteous, and godly. In this present, in, in the midst of this evil age. Philippians chapter 2 says, um, we, are, we shine like lights in the midst of this twisted generation. It says, this perverted generation. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, that we shine like lights in the midst of this. See, when we live differently from the world, they look at us like, like what's, what's wrong with you? What is it about you? What's different about you? Why are you so, why are you glowing? <laughs> why are you so happy all the time? Why, are you, why don't you get upset so easily like the rest? What is it about you? That's different. That's weird to them. They don't understand how, they don't understand that. So we are to, to stand against the popular forms of the spirit of this age. Number three, we are to despise what is evil, love what is good, avoid and refuse to yield to types of worldliness. We are to despise what is evil. We are to be known for people who hate evil. We ought to be known for that. And we are to love what is good. We ought to be known for loving what is good. It says in, in, uh, in, uh, in 2 Timothy, in the last days and perilous times, people will be desp- despisers of those that are good. They don't like people who are, who, who, who are good. You know, you're goody two-shoes. It's like they don't like that. Why are you so good? Why are you so nice? You're just a goody two shoes. And it's, a, it's like they are upset that you're good. <laughs> but it shines the light on them and lets them know how good they're not. They don't like, the darkness hates the light all, all, the, all, to, all the time. Darkness hates the light. So we despise what is evil, love what is good, avoid and refuse to yield to types of godliness. Avoid them and refuse to yield to it when you're confronted with it. I'm not going to yield to that. I will not do that because of who I am. And it all begins with how you think. Choosing not to allow the world to shape you and conform you to its pattern and what they think you ought to be. Number four, our minds must conform to God's way of thinking Mainly through the study of Scripture. Our minds must conform to God's way of thinking, mainly, primarily through the study of Scripture. That's what God uses to change the way we think. You, gotta, you have to know the Word. You have to get into the Word of God. You have to get into the Word of God. Psalm 119, verse 9 through 11, one of my favorites. 
How can a young man keep his way pure? Question. How can a young man keep his way pure? Then he answers, by keeping your word. I have sought you with all my heart. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have treasured your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. So, we start with scripture. How can a young man keep his way pure or a young woman keep their way pure, whether it's uh, uh, mentally pure or actually pure in behavior? How? By keeping your word. By getting into the word of God and keeping it, obeying it. He said, I have sought you with all my heart, God. Don't let me wander from your commands. Lord, don't let me disobey you. Don't let me wander. Prone to wander. Prone to leave the God I love, the song, the, 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 the hymn says. And we are all prone to just wander off in our own way. Prone to leave the God that we love. He says, don't let me wander from your commands. He says, I have treasured your word where? In my heart. So that I may not sin against you. The word will keep you from sinning. He said, I've treasured hidden, another translation says, your word in my heart, my heart, so that I might not sin against you, Lord. Our minds must conform to God's way of thinking through scripture. John 8. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, so he's talking to believers, if you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. He says, you really are my disciples if you continue in my word. There's a condition. If you continue in my word, then you really are my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Where's the truth found? In the word. He says, sanctify them, another verse says, sanctify them through your truth, for your word is truth. God's word is true. And we need truth to transform our thinking, our minds. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Since the weapons of our warfare are not worldly, but are powerful through God for the de demolition of strongholds. The weapons of our warfare, we are in a war, church. Did y'all realize that we're in a war? But he says, the weapons of our warfare are not worldly. We're not in a, in, in a physical war. It's a, it's a spiritual war. But are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds. We demolish arguments and every high-minded thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God. Taking every thought captive to obey Christ. Wow. He says, we don't fight with physical weapons. They're not worldly. But our weapons are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds. He says, we demolish arguments. Arguments. Every, everything, every argument that comes up against Scripture, we are to pull down. The King James says, casting down imaginations, arguments, philosophies, ideologies, is what that's talking about. He says, we demolish them. We demolish arguments and every high-minded thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God. Wow. High-minded. That means any barrier or anything that is antagonistic against the Word of God, which is what's transforming my thinking. See, the world wants us to think like them. The devil wants you to think like the world. 
Be a Christian, but think like the world. Be conformed to the world. Don't change the way you think. You can go to church, just don't change the way you think. You can worship, just don't change the way you think about X, Y, and Z. He says, we demolish arguments and every high-minded thing that is raised up and it raised up against the knowledge of God. Not my knowledge, not what I think, raised up against what God said. Taking captive every thought to obey Christ. Take that thought captive and cast it out. Replace it with the word of God. We demolish arguments. Every argument that says a man can become a woman. Every argument that says a woman can become a man just because they feel like it. Every argument, casting down those arguments. Don't change the way you think about God's design. We are to reject a grotesquely twisted version of God's original creation. I'm going to say that again. We are to reject a grotesquely twisted version of God's original creation. We have to understand that this age and God's kingdom answers life's questions very differently. This age and God's kingdom, the Bible, Scripture, answers questions very differently. They don't define things the same way God does. And we're seeing that in our culture today. Change what marriage is. Change what a woman is. Change, what is a woman? We don't have mothers anymore. We have birthing people. Wicked, twisted thinking. Don't be conformed to that. I, I found this little uh, index card. Sometimes when I hear things uh, like wise things or something, I have to write. I'll write it down real quick and put it away. And I, I don't remember when I wrote this, but but I just happened to find it today when I was looking through some things. But it says, I, I, I don't even remember where I got this from. But it says, how the spirit of the age operates. Number one, it takes what's important and makes it ultimate. Take something that is important and makes it ultimate. Something that's an important thing and makes it the ultimate thing. And that's not a good thing. Sexuality is important, it's not ultimate. Something that's important and you make it the thing. That's what the age does, that's what the world does. They take what's important and makes it ultimate. They take what's holy and makes it profane. They take something holy like marriage and makes it profane. They take something holy like sex and makes it profane. No boundaries. I can do what I want. I can sleep with who I want. They take something that's holy that God created and they profane it. That's what the age does. Thirdly, they take what's true and makes it distorted. They take what God said, something that's true, and they distort it. They twist it. Did God say that? Did God really say? Same thing in the garden. He did the eat. Did God really say? 
they twist and distort the truth. That's the spirit of the age we're living in. They answer life's questions very differently. How do we get here? We evolved or were we created? We came from nowhere, from nothing. Nothing creates nothing, which makes no sense. Remember that song, nothing from nothing leaves nothing? That song, Billy Press, nothing from nothing leaves nothing. <laughs> he was prophesying, didn't even know it. <sighs> the spirit of the age. Instead of being conformed to the world, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformed, the word is metamorphe, where we get the word metamorphosis. It means to change into another form, to undo, to undergo rather, a complete change which finds its expression in character and conduct. I'm going to read that again. It means to change into another form, to undergo a complete change, which finds its expression in character and conduct. Now, this is talking about an inward transformation. See, conformity is an outward. The world wants to conform you to an outward image. God wants to transform you from the inside out, an inward transformation. And the Holy Spirit uses scripture, our experiences, trials, and fellowship with unbelievers to do this. Primarily, again, through scripture. We ought to be transformed. We go through a metamorphosis. You think about uh, uh, a caterpillar who becomes a butterfly. That's a metamorphosis. He changes it into something completely different. When you look at a caterpillar and you look at a butterfly, you say, that can't be the same creature. And that's how we ought to be. When we get saved, after a while, people are looking at us and say, you know, you're really different. What happened to you? You're not the same person I used to know. Why do you think like that now? Where'd you get that from? A complete metamorphosis we are to go through inwardly, which will affect our outward actions. Second uh, Corinthians chapter three. This is Paul speaking. Therefore, having such a hope, we use great boldness we are not like Moses who used to put a veil over his face so that the Israelites could not stare at the end of what was fading away. Now this is talking about in the Old Testament when Moses would speak to God, when he would come off the mountain speaking to him, he would have this, this appearance on his face, this glow on his face. We are not like Moses who used to put a veil over his face. He would put a veil over it so the, people, the children of Israel couldn't see it. So that the Israelites could not stare at the end of what was fading away. But their minds were closed for to this day, at the reading of the Old Covenant, the same veil remains. To this day, when they read the Old Testament, that veil is still there. When Jews read the Old Testament, that veil is still there. They don't see it. Why? It is not lifted because it is set aside only in Christ. When they come to Jesus, the veil gets lifted. Verse 15, even to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. Listen to what he said. He said it's over their hearts. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. See that? 
When you come to Jesus, the veil is removed. And you see Jesus for who he is. You see the Old Testament scriptures for what they really were and what God was really saying. Whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Verse 18, we all, and he's talking about us, talking to us now, we all, with unveiled faces, are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being, what, transformed, there's that word, into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We all, with unveiled faces, there's no veil over our faces, are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord. The Bible is like a mirror. James 1 says, when you look into the mirror, you behold yourself and you, and you run away, forget what you look like. When we look in the scriptures, we are transformed by what we read. The scriptures works on our hearts. It says, we with, all, with unveiled faces are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord. We see the Lord's glory through his word and are being transformed. The more we read, the more transformed we become. My thinking begins to change. My thinking begins to change. My actions begin to change because I'm being transformed into the same image. Romans 8 says we're being transformed to the image of his son. God wants to transform us into the image of Jesus. And how that happens is through scripture, primarily. You will, the scripture will convict you of sin. You read something and you're like, oh, I didn't realize I shouldn't be doing that. And that's good. That's good. God does that. He's transforming you. He's changing you. I have a friend who had gotten saved. (laughs) And he used to sell bootleg DVDs. And he called me one night. It was about 11 o'clock. I was in the bed. It was about 11 o'clock. And he was reading in Ephesians. Um... And he said, brother, let me ask you something. He said, I was reading this in Ephesians, and it says, let him that stole steal no more. He said, and I sell bootleg DVDs. He said, you think God's trying to tell me something? <laughs> I busted out laughing. <laughs> I never said, I knew he sold bootleg DVDs. I never said to him, you need to stop selling them. I never said that to him, Never. But when he started reading the scriptures, and he knew, he said, let him that stole steal no more. He said, I'm kind of like stealing from the movie industry because they're not paying for these movies. He said, you think God's trying to tell me something? I said, I said, yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> and he stopped selling DVDs. See, the word transformed his thinking. <laughs> the word transformed his thinking. And that's what's supposed to happen. I didn't have to tell him to stop selling DVDs. God did. See, that's what a word does. The word will convict you of sin. The word will... See, you start feeling bad about certain things when you get into the word and God starts working on you. You start feeling bad about lying and just, just, you start feeling bad about stuff. <laughs> you say, you know what? 
I heard of people who went home and told her, okay, you need, you need to move. You know, we can't live together anymore. You know, we're living in sin. And I'm sorry, bro, but you got to go. And then he gets mad. <laughs> you go to that church and let them people tell you what to do. That preacher, they just want your money. They just want... Now he's mad now because he's been cut off. Doesn't happen like that with everybody, but sometimes, you know, it's like, you know what, you know, sometimes it takes a minute, you know, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling bad about it. We ain't, we ain't supposed to be sleeping together. Transformed. By the re- there's no, and see, transformed through reading the scriptures, through the study. And then notice what he said. He says, when they saw Moses, first of all, he said, when we with unveiled faces are looking, looking as in a mirror. There's no such thing as sightless sanctification. You will never become sanctified just by osmosis. That happens through purposeful intent of scriptural study, even looking, watching other people, how they live. That's why it's important to be around other church for other saints. They will help you to be sanctified. And you get in certain situations, it will sanctify you. I've heard now, I've never been married, but I've heard married people say, marriage is the most sanctifying thing in my life. Amen. <laughs> hey, see, every, all the married people ought to say, amen. <laughs> God will teach you how to be sanctified by being in marriage with another person who also needs to be sanctified. Two sinners trying to live a righteous life in the same house, that will sanctify you. Because you got to die to yourself. See, it would be hard. See, it would be hard for me at this. Not the, it would be hard for me in this stage of my life to get married because I've been single all my life. So I would have to adjust to certain things, and that would be real hard for me because I'm used to just you know being by myself and just doing things I want to do. But that got to change when you get married. I can't say you know <laughs> go to your room <laughs> and I'll go to mine. <laughs> doesn't work like that. <laughs> I need to be sanctified. And they, will, and they will push your buttons. They can push buttons that nobody else can push. Your spouse can push buttons that nobody else can push. <laughs> Thank you, Brother Tyree. Thank you. Y'all know that. I've heard y'all's conversations. <laughs> I've heard y'all say that. <laughs> Amen. Moving right along. <laughs> okay. No side. Okay, now. <laughs> uh, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind. That word renewing means the adjustment of the moral and spiritual vision and thinking to the mind of God. The adjustment of the moral and spiritual vision and thinking to the mind of God by way of prayer, study, worship, and meditating on God's acts. Our mind needs to be renewed, needs to be made new again. You become a new creature in Christ. You have to understand, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Old things are passed away. My old way of thinking needs to be passed away. So it's the adjustment. I need to adjust my thinking to the moral and spiritual vision and thinking to the mind of God. By prayer, 
Get on your face before God. Prayer is so important in this, in this, in this as well. As well as study. Get on your knees. Say, God, change me. Change my heart. Change my thinking, God. I want to think like you. But there's a scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says, we have the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you, Philippians 2 said, that was also in Christ Jesus. That's talking about humility. Be humble like him, but you can apply that anywhere. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Think how Jesus thinks about everything. Think like Jesus thinks. Ephesians 4. Therefore, this is Paul talking. I say this and testify in the Lord. You should no longer walk as the Gentiles walk. He's talking to Jews. Don't walk like non-believers walk in the futility of their thoughts. They got futile thinking. They are darkened in their understanding. Excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their hearts. Listen to that. That's how you were before you got saved. He says, um, I testify this in the Lord. You should no longer walk like that. That's how you used to be. In the futility of their thoughts, in the futility of their mind. They are darkened in their understanding. They don't get nothing. Excluded from the life of God. Wow. Because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their hearts. Their heart is hardened towards God. You know, all of our hearts were hardened towards God before we got saved. Their hearts are hardened towards God. You know, the world hates God. They hate God. They became callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with the desire for more and more. They couldn't get enough of sin. But that is not how you learned about the Messiah. That is not how you learned about Jesus. Assuming you heard about him and were taught by him. Why? Because the truth is in Jesus. You know what he said? He said the truth is in Jesus. Not Buddha, not Muhammad, not Hare Krishna. The truth is in Jesus. He said, I am the truth. I am the epitome of what you, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody else in the history of the world could ever say that. He said, the truth is in Jesus. You took off your former way of life. You you, you took off that, remember? The old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires. I love the language. He said, corrupted by deceitful desires. You know your desires will fool you? Your desires will fool you. Feelings are not facts. You cannot go by your feelings. They're important. God gave them to us. They can help us, but they, the, your feelings are to be the caboose, not the engine. Our problem is we make the feelings the engine, and they lead us, and that gets us in trouble. It's supposed to be the caboose. The caboose is important, but he ain't driving. <laughs> Don't let your feelings drive. You consider them, but they don't make the ultimate decision. He says, because the truth is in Jesus, you took off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted, is corrupted by deceitful desires. 
You are being renewed, there's that word, in the spirit of your minds. He said being renewed, it's a constant. It's not a one-time thing. You are being renewed in the spirit of your minds. You put on the new self, you took off the old self, and you put on the new self. It's like clothes. You take off the old clothes, you put on the new clothes. You put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness and righteousness and purity of the truth. I like that. He said purity of the truth. Truth is pure. Untainted. So he says, but you are being renewed in the spirit of your mind. Renewing requires vigilance at all times. Continuous and ongoing renewal. You got to stay in the word to keep yourself being renewed. Transformation is perfected by way of difficulties, suffering, trials, and even sorrow. Wow, we don't like that. You get transformed, perfected by way of difficulties, sufferings, trials, and even sorrow. The Bible says Jesus learned obedience through the things he suffered. (laughs) Wow. If the Son of God learned obedience through the things he suffered, what about you? See, God uses all of those to transform us, to sanctify us, to change the way we think, to renew our minds. And he uses even suffering and even sorrow. It ain't always pretty. It seldom is but it's necessary, and we thank God in the end. See, I understand that God has our, our best interests at heart. He's not doing this because he's trying to harm us. I know this doesn't feel good, Eddie, but let me do, I need to do this right here. You need to suffer here a minute. This is going to be sorrowful, but you, you, in the end, it's going to work together for your good. I know you don't like this right now, Tom, but trust me, when I'm done, you're going to come forth as pure gold. I'm, I'm, I'm creating something. I'm, I'm trying to make you like Jesus. See, that's God's concern. God's concern is all us being in the image of Jesus. He ain't so much concerned with our sorrow and pain in the sense that he will remove it because we, we no, no, I know it doesn't feel good. But I'm doing it because I love you. You'll thank me later. And we do it with our kids. Sometimes you have to put them through stuff. You have to allow them sometimes to go through difficulties when they make bad decisions. You got to say, you know what? They need to learn a lesson here. I'm going to let that happen. It may hurt you to watch that, but sometimes it hurts God to watch us go through stuff. You know, I, but it's necessary. We got to remember that God always has our best interests at heart. God, I don't know why you're letting this happen, but it must be for my good. It's got to be for my good because you are good all the time. Amen? Amen. All right. Be conformed. You not be conformed, but be transformed. <clears throat> In one case... Um, and both of them come at us, confirmation, confirmation and transformation. Both of them come at the believer. In one case, we're not to allow something to happen. Do not be conformed to this age. Not to allow that to happen. And in another case, we are to allow it to happen. Be transformed. Allow yourself to be transformed. 
You understand that? In one case, we are not to allow ourselves to be conformed, but we are to allow God to transform us. In verse 1, we commit ourselves to God through a living sacrifice, offering ourselves as a living sacrifice in verse 1. And in verse 2, we commit us, we are, are sustaining that through our minds being renewed. We are either, we either acquiesce or we resist. And the only two options you got. You either acquiesce to the world or we resist the world. And the only two options we got. The world demands outward conformity, superficial accommodation to its values. They, they command that. They demand that you act like us and think like us. Even Christians. Christian, we don't care what you think about abortion, a life in the womb. I, want, I, I have a right. We made a great decision a week and a half ago when Roe v. Wade was overturned. overturned, overturned. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. The world hated that. Just turn on the television. And you know, it's funny. You would think watching, <laughs> watching the news, you would think that there was nobody who was happy about Roe v. Wade being overturned. <laughs> Because they only talked to people who, who hated it. <laughs> they didn't talk to anybody else. And that's another thing. They use the media. The devil will use the media to educate you, to inform you, to get you to think a certain way. He uses the media. He uses social media. He uses all of that to conform you to the image of the age. He uses all of that. He's the prince of the power of the airwaves, television, computers, social media. All of that is being used to get you to think a certain way. That's why they don't interview everybody. They only interview certain people on television. They only inter interview people who, 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 who are for Roe v. Wade, not those who are against. They only interview people who are happy about whatever. They, they never give you the, the other option for the most part. They don't. They don't talk to people who retransitioned because it ruined their life. And there's a whole bunch of them that are detransitioning, going back to their natural state as a man or a woman because they weren't as happy as they thought they were going to be. They only show you the people who are supposedly happy about it. Why don't they interview the other people? Why don't they interview the doctors who disagree with it and call it child abuse? How come they don't interview them? It doesn't fit the narrative, that's why. They want you to think a certain way about transgenders, about homosexuality, about male and female. They want to conform you. But we need to be transformed through the renewing of our minds. Think like God thinks. We are naturally conformist as, as, as our human nature. And it's, and it's tempting to just want to be like everybody else. Part of us always wants to be, we want to fit in. We want to fit in. I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to stir the pot. I don't want people looking at me funny on my job. You know, you know he's the one. Oh, you know what, you know what he thinks about? You know what she thinks about so-and-so? And they gritting on you on a job. I don't want that. I want people to like me. 
Even if you don't love me, at least like me. (laughs) We all want that. But listen, in this world, you shall have tribulations. But be of good cheer, as Jesus said, I will overcome the world. He said, if they hated you, they hated me first. He said, they're going to hate you. They're going to hate you, church. But Jesus said, you're in good company. They hated me first. They hated me so much they crucified me. And they're going to crucify you too. Maybe not physically, but they're going to crucify your character. Because they are under the influence of the devil. Ah. Be, there's passive verbs. Don't be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. All right. I'm almost done. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. The word discern means to prove. So that you may prove what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. We will know God's will when our minds are conformed to God's mind through Scripture. We will know God's will when our minds are conformed to God's mind through Scripture. People always ask, what is God's will for me? What is God's will for me? God's will is His word. Get in the Bible, you'll find out what God's will is. Whenever it says, for this is the will of God, that's what God's will is. It's really simple. See, we think, we think God's will is a, is a target, a bullseye, rather, that we need to hit. No, the Bible never says that. It's not a bullseye that you need to hit. The Bible says, for this is God's will, your sanctification. Okay, it's God's will for me to be sanctified. For this is God's will for you that you be saved. Okay, God's will for me is me to be saved. A, it gives you several explanations of what God's will is. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Pray without ceasing. It's God's will for me to pray. God's will is not a bullseye that you need to hit. We will know God's will when our minds are conformed to God's mind through Scripture. We will discern and know. It means to test with the expectation of approving, finding out the worth of something by putting it to use or testing it in actual practice. And that's what we do. We put the word to practice. We put the word to work and prove that it's true. So that you may discern or prove what is the good. That good is that which is that which is God's in God's character or constitution and is therefore beneficial. It's morally honorable and pleasing to God. That's what good is. So that we may prove what is that good, that which is good in his character or constitution and is therefore beneficial, morally honorable, and pleasing to God. And where do we, where do we find that? Honorable, pleasing to God. Think on the things that are honorable, just, lovely. We read the verse earlier. That's how we know. That's what's good. <laughs> David said some things. He said, it was good for me that I was afflicted, that I might know your will. You know, the word is good. Sometimes God afflicting us is good. That which is beneficial, his affliction is beneficial to us. That which is good, that which is pleasing, and it simply means acceptable. That's all. 
so that you may discern or prove that which is good, that which is pleasing or acceptable, and that which is perfect, the perfect will of God. That perfect means having reached its end, it's finished and complete, and nothing can be added to it. It's sufficient. The complete revelation of God's will and his ways. Perfect means having reached this end, it's finished, it's complete, and nothing can be added. It is sufficient. In other words, holy living of which God approves is what he's talking about here. When our minds are transformed, we discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God and to begin to live a life that is pleasing to God. One last verse, 2 Timothy, very famous verse. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness so that the man of God or woman of God may be complete equipped for every good work. How do we renew our minds? All scripture is inspired by God, by getting in the word of God. All scripture is inspired of God, inspired by God and is profitable Profitable, beneficial to you for what? For teaching? For rebuking you (laughs) and me? (laughs) For correcting you and me? For training in righteousness. The word teaches you how to live right, how to be holy. For training in righteousness. So that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work. The word will equip us for every good work. So, but it starts with the renewing of our minds. We have to change the way we think. We cannot allow the world to conform us to its pattern, but we need to allow God to transform us from the inside out through the word of God, through prayer, through fellowship, through worship, through trials, tribulations, experiences, all of that. He works all of that for our good, to transform us into the image of, our, of Christ. But we have to change the way we think. We got to think like God, not like a Republican, not like a Democrat, not like a Libertarian, politi- not like a black man, not like a white man. Think like Jesus in all things, and all that we say, do, at every way, become more like Christ. We're getting ready to, to take communion. And we're going to celebrate Jesus' victory on the cross. See, what Jesus did opens the door for us, for our minds to be renewed and transformed. His death on the cross made it possible for us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And we're going to celebrate that after this song.